Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, May 4th, we are studying Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. All people are unrighteous in their sin, and all are given the righteousness of God freely through faith. In both cases, that word all can be summed up in one, in one man. All are unrighteous in the one man, Adam, and all are given God's righteousness through faith in the one man, Jesus Christ. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Vandercook. Pastor Vandercook serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and Shepherd of Peace Lutheran Church in Maumelle, Arkansas. Pastor Vandercook, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Good to be with you again, Pastor Apple. As we get started this morning, Pastor Vandercook, give us some context here in the book of Romans. We've been building up, and Paul starts this text today with the word, therefore. Seems like he's drawing a bunch of things together. What do we need to know going into these verses today? Yeah, well, that's the thing with uh, Paul's letters, and, and I guess quite a bit of the books of the of the Bible you can say this about. But in particular, I think with Paul's letters, you can read them as kind of one whole cohesive unit. They have a uh, a line of thought that runs throughout the whole thing, uh, and so it's kind of a kind of a neat exercise to to sometimes do that. Just sit down and read one of um, Paul's letters in particular in one sitting. Now, of course, Romans would take a little bit of time. It's the longest of Paul's letters, but uh, uh, certainly worth worth our while. Uh, yeah, um, you know, chapter four, kind of going back a couple chapters here, you have uh, Abraham used as the example of of righteousness by faith, and then. Moving into chapter 5, the first 11 verses, uh, it speaks about how we've been uh, justified by the blood of Christ and now how we've been uh, reconciled with God. Uh, And 12 through 21 really gets into um, what we're going to talk about, talks about kind of the necessity of uh, being justified by Christ, the fact that uh, we are all sinners and how that sin came to us through that that one man, through Adam, and then uh, how more than that now, uh, that justification, that righteousness is given us through the one man, Christ. Mm. Let's go ahead and jump right into the text here. We're in Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the text for today, Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. So, Pastor Vandercook, the the text before us today starts with 
the word therefore. So we're tied back to the immediate text. And and Paul starts sin, and this is, I, I will say, this is a hard text to follow at times because it, it seems like Paul starts a thought and then he makes a parenthetical comment and then he comes back to that thought and maybe throws in another parenthetical comment. And and so sometimes, I mean, just for me personally, this is a tough text to follow, but we're going to do our best here. So I hope you can help me out here a bit. So <laughs> he starts, sin came into the world through one man. Take us into what, what Paul's talking about here. Well, the first thing I want to acknowledge there is that sin was not in the world in the beginning. God creates his uh, creates the world in six days. At the very end of that creation, he says that it was very good. Uh, it was without flaw of any kind. And so when we talk about sin coming into the world, that means it wasn't there in the first place. Uh, and so prior to the sin of Adam, that was still the case. You still had a perfect, sinless world. Um, but now sin does come through the one man. Uh, and it's it's interesting here, you compare the different ways where Paul talks about original sin and how he uh, gets into who sinned first. And in uh, 1 Timothy 2.14, for example, Paul, there he's talking about the order of creation and, and especially focusing on, on male headship as he's writing to Timothy. Um, and so there he points out that Eve sinned first and then Adam uh, but here his purpose really is to make this comparison throughout this whole section between Adam and Jesus. And, and of course, when we look at sin having its origin there, it's not like Adam was, uh, you know, standing innocently there as, as Eve is eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, rather, the responsibility for uh, Eve's action ultimately does uh, fall upon Adam. So, so we see Adam as the starting point here for sin and its entrance into the world. I, I was, as I was reading through this verse particularly, I was trying to, to put, a, put a picture to it in my mind. And, and, the, and tell me what you think. The best picture I could come up with is, is sin and also death, and we'll talk about that, but sin and death as, as invaders into God's creation. Almost like, and I, I, I don't know if this is good or not, but almost like the, like the account of the Trojan horse in the, uh, is it the Odyssey or the Iliad, the Odyssey, where the, the Trojan horse, you know, is this, this big wooden horse that the Greek army is, it's full of Greek, Greek soldiers, but the Trojans don't know that they send it as a, a surrender, a peace offering to the city of Troy. The city of Troy brings it in. And then I'm um, spoiler alert here, right? The, the, the city of Troy is wiped out from the inside out. And I, I don't know. That, that was the best picture I could come up here with sin and death as, as invaders into God's good creation. I don't know. You can tell me if you don't like that picture. But, but I think it, the point that you're making ultimately is that sin and death, neither one of these were God's intention. These came in as, as enemies. They came in as something that was not a part of what God had called very good. And that, that's a pretty key point, I think, for us to recognize. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and I was just talking to my, uh, my my daughter is my only confirmation student right now. And uh, I was talking to her uh, last week about uh, creation and, and evolution. And that is that is one of the things where you have this uh, invasion of death into God's creation that uh, the, the theory of evolution depends upon death. Uh, but death was not part of the equation in the beginning. Uh, you know, you don't have anything dying until uh, Adam and Eve eat of the fruit uh, of the tree. Uh, and then really that first blood is not shed until God makes the um, uh, the skin coverings for Adam and Eve to, to cover over their shame, their nakedness. And uh, so, so yeah, I, I think that's a good description of, of, of sin and death kind of invading a world where it didn't belong, uh, you know, and, and wreaking havoc once it gets in there. Could you just, because the point that you made there about the theory of evolution and what this text has to, to say against that, could you just expound upon that a little bit more? Because I remember the first time someone pointed this text out to me in contradiction to what evolution would put out there as a worldview. It just, it really blew my mind. So could you expound upon that a little bit more as to why this text and what it says about death is an important thing for us as Christians when we think about what evolution has to say for us as a worldview? Well, among the, you know, in the, in the theory of evolution, death is uh, necessary for that theory to be true. 
it's it's almost a I mean it's almost a good thing um, because mm-hmm. it shows how um, you have this survival of the fittest type thing. Well, in order for something to survive, something else has to die, uh, and so you're counting on the death of the weaker thing to bring about uh, the life of the greater thing. Um, but that is uh, you know that's contrary to the way that that scripture speaks. Scripture is always speaking of uh, sin and death as enemies. Uh, rather than things that bring about something good, um, whereas that's that's really what what evolution does is it's saying, look, we're getting this good thing from death because now the thing that remains is better. All of a sudden, you know, that uh, we we killed off the bad to get to the good. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, uh, it counters what um, uh, what the scriptures have to say about uh, sin being something that's evil and something that comes from outside of creation. It's unnatural. Mm-hmm. Right. Just an important another another important thing for us to recognize when it comes to what the scriptures teach, holding on to the truth that God gives us in his word here, particularly about sin and death being these enemies, these invaders, and they enter in through this one man. And and the consequences of this, as Paul lays them out, and even as we see them within the book of Genesis, particularly chapter three, the consequences are are swift. Sin comes into the world through this one man, then death through sin, and then this death spreads to to all men. And so you you start to see here that this one act by one man has effect upon all people. And this is this is important to see here because of what Paul's going to do with it for Jesus later. But but Pastor Vanderkirk, help us in right now to what Paul is saying here about this one man here who sinned, and now death is going to spread to all. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, you have this one act that, that follows it. And then, um, yeah, it, you know, the wages of sin is death is going to come up, you know, in, in chapter six that we get that verse. But, uh, but yeah, the um, uh, we have this idea at the very end of, of verse 12, and I believe it was, uh, I was reading um, uh, commentaries on this, and it, it really is probably the, the verse that is commented on more than any uh, in all of um, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, verse 12 here. And, you know, there's really, I, I came across in uh, Dr. Mittendorf, uh, his commentary is for the Concordia Commentary Series includes basically six different ways to interpret this uh, uh, this last little section of, of verse 12. How is it that we have this uh, this idea of sin spreading through all men, and the way it's translated into English for us in the ESV is because uh, all sin, um, you know, at the very end there, um, it's spread to all men because all sin. So, you know, what what does that mean exactly? And so, uh, there, there's a bunch of different ways. So, you know, there's a few of them that we can dismiss pretty easily ways to understand this that just don't make a whole lot of sense. One of, you know, the first one that that he cites is this idea of uh, because of which, that is, because of death, all sinned. Well, that doesn't even make any sense in the passage, really, because uh, that would convey the idea that death leads to sin rather than sin leading to death. And, you know, it's pretty clear that Paul's message here is that sin is what leads to death. Uh, And so then uh, a second um, understanding, although also not very um, uh, satisfactory, is because of whom, that is, Adam, all sinned. And so, you know, again, it's kind of, this this is kind of putting the blame on, solely on Adam for our sin. Um, And the problem with that is, again, you've got this, you've got Adam, the one man is mentioned way back at the beginning, and here we've got this separation until we get to this. So contextually, that doesn't really work either. Um, Then we get to a few uh, explanations of this that that seem to make a little more sense anyway, uh, although really only one of them uh, fits for where we want to go and where Paul wants to go with this. But um, Augustine and others um, basically said, in whom Adam all sinned. They interpreted it that way. And that, again, you have the problem where you've got this distance between Adam being at the beginning of the sentence, but also the fact that the um, the preposition that's used there uh, is not the one that usually conveys that idea. Um, so, so that doesn't really work either. Um, 
So then you get to this idea of perhaps it's uh, this idea of, of community uh, sin or corporate solidarity. You know, uh, Achan sinned in Joshua chapter 7 um, whenever he, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what Achan stole. Didn't he hide some treasure from uh, that was taken from Jericho or something like that? I think that's right, um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, he, he hid some of the, the stuff, and, and because of that, God caused the Israelites to uh, lose a battle at Ai, which was very early on in their conquest of the Promised Land. And in, um, in, in, uh, in Joshua 7, that's actually referred to as Israel's sin at one point, as if because Achan sinned, all of Israel sinned. Um, but, uh, you know, Again, there, there's some issues there with that uh, as well, because the, the verb tense that's used there by Paul um, is, is not really, uh, doesn't really apply really well there. Um, so the last two are really the ones that, that, that are probably worth our looking at when we look at uh, original sin. Uh, and really, that is the, the doctrine that's being expounded upon here by, uh, by Paul. And you know, of course, among us uh, and, and in the history of the world, in the history of, um, of Christianity, I suppose, we have various heresies that have been um, uh, that have been put down. And one of those is that of the Pelagians. And the Pelagians would interpret this passage this way. They would say that death spread through all men because all imitated the sin of Adam. And what that's doing is that's separating the idea of an inherited sin. In other words, we're not carrying the guilt of Adam at all. Uh, and so um, what, what Pelagius taught, and Pelagius, you know, he's living in the um, uh, fourth and fifth century, taught, he taught that humans did not need divine aid in order to be converted. And so their will is remaining completely free following the fall into sin. Uh, and, and, he also taught them that humans had the ability to live perfect, sinless lives. Now, that should throw all kinds of red flags up for us uh, as, as Lutherans, because, uh, you know, as we look at uh, Luther's small catechism in the third article, uh, we come across the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the meaning of the third article, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Uh, so obviously, we confess very clearly that what uh, Pelagius is saying regarding the free will of man is impossible. Uh, this can't. This can't be true. So, um, uh, Pastor, Pastor yeah, Cook, let uh, me just let me pause yeah. you right there, just to to clarify, because okay. so that we can get in on the, the distinction here between particularly what Pelagius, the Pelagians, would have taught, and what this passage is teaching. So, what what Pelagius would do with this verse? And particularly the very last phrase, death spread to all men because all sinned. The way that Pelagius would understand that would be that death wouldn't had to have spread to all men. It only did because all people happened to sin in the same way that Adam did, but they didn't have to. They, they had a, a free will, some sort of uh, opportunity to, to be okay, to not sin. Is that, I mean, is that, that's the way Pelagius would take this? Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that man has the ability to not sin. Yeah, uh, okay. that they can do that. Yep. Right. So right then why, from the, from the rest, well, I think we can see it here in Paul as well. And just in this very passage, that's not the correct interpretation. But you've mentioned this, this doctrine of original sin that Paul is expounding upon here. Where else in Scripture do we see this? see that taught that informs us here that that particular Pelagian view is wrong, and then go ahead and take us into what is Paul actually saying here at the end of verse 12? Yeah, um, well, first of all, you know, the uh, what, what we use is the close of the commandments in the small catechism, Exodus 25 through 6, uh, you know, um, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Um, every time I think I read those, I think I've got to somehow explain this because it sounds really wrong to say um, that I'm going to punish you uh, or that somebody's being punished for the sin of their fathers. 
so how do we do that? Well, you know, of course, as, as Lutherans, we often, uh, and rightfully so, we use Scripture to interpret Scripture. So then we have to go to, if you go to like Deuteronomy 24.16, for example, where it says there that, uh, uh, that one is not punished, and I'm paraphrasing here, one is not punished for the sins of their fathers. You know, you're punished for your own sin, not the sin of your fathers. That almost sounds like it contradicts that one right there. Uh, you know, contradicts um, uh, Exodus 25 through 6. Or I think it's I think it's just verse five is the only one I actually quoted there. But uh, the um, but the idea is that um, we are punished for the sin of the fathers if we uh, repeat the sin of the fathers. That is, we have been um, uh, we have this inclination towards sin, uh, and as we repeat those sins, we are guilty of those sins. But we also carry the guilt. Uh, of original sin, uh, which you know our confessions uh, rightfully call it is it is really sin uh, that is you know original sin actually is sin. It's not uh, it, it's not just this um, uh, you know we're we're guilty of something there. I'm struggling for the words here a little bit, but uh, you know we are actually uh, guilty because of that. But uh, but we uh, you know. Um, Kind of lost, losing my train of thought. I'm sorry, <laughs> but the uh, uh, you have this, um, uh, you know, you have that. Uh, the other, the other thing I'd point to is in Psalm 51, where uh, David says, "Surely I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me." Uh, it's kind of a classic text for us to to point to to show how uh, that goes. And of course, this 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 idea of sin that's been inherited uh, from our fathers plays such a huge role in other areas of our theology, in particular with our doctrine of baptism. Um, you know, you have, uh, a, you, you, have, you have a number of um, Christian bodies among us. You know, I'm here in the Bible Belt in Arkansas where uh, infant baptism really is not the norm. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons that people don't baptize infants is they don't believe there's a need for it, uh, in that, you know, infants are not held accountable for their sin. Children are not held accountable for their sin until they reach a certain age of, of understanding, whatever that is. Uh, so, you know, you have this, um, uh, and really what that is, is it is a denial of uh, the, the, the um, uh, a denial of original sin, uh, because if you don't have a need for the forgiveness of sins, uh, then why, why do you need to uh, do anything about it? You know, why, why do we need baptism? Uh, am I am I making sense? Are you following me? <laughs> yes, yes, I think so. I think so. So just to uh, just to maybe help us wrap it up on this side of the break, this phrase "because all sinned," make make clear for us what is Paul saying there? Death spread to all men because all sinned. In what sense have all sinned there at the end of verse twelve? Yeah, um, this. The, the way that I think is most helpful to kind of understand it is all sinned because of the corrupt nature inherited from Adam. You know, so we ask the question, why does God punish the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me? He's not punishing them because their parents sin, but rather because they repeat the sins of the fathers. Well, why do they repeat the sins of the fathers? Because they have an inclination towards sin. Uh, you know, so the idea here is that all sin, why did all sin? Because that's what sinners do. Uh, they, they have uh, inherited this sin from Adam. They have this inclination towards sin, and therefore they sin. Uh, so they were sinners from the beginning, but they also sin on their own, too, because of the sin that they've inherited. Uh, so it's, it's it almost kind of sounds circular, and it's, I feel like I'm almost speaking in, in a circular reasoning, reasoning type of way here. But, uh, but that's kind of what you have, uh, you know. So you have this this infection of sin, and because of the infection of sin, we also sin. Mm, that infection that came in to the world through Adam, and then spread into the world through Adam, inherited from him, and now made manifest, the original sin made manifest in our actual sins. That is what Paul is getting at here in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. We're going to take a short break, looking at it here on Sharper Iron, but we'll be right back. Please stick around.
Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis at 815 and Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne at 1045, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Welcome back to Sharper Iron on this Monday, May 4th. We're looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21 with Pastor David Vandercook. Pastor Vandercook serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and Shepherd of Peace Lutheran Church in Maumelle, Arkansas. Pastor Vandercook, prior to the break, we were looking at verse 12. Death spread to all men because all sinned. And now Paul's going to take a, a a bit of an excursus, it seems, or, or he's going to, to support what he's said. How do, you, how do you see all men sinning? How do you know that death spread to all men? And he starts talking about the time in between that first sin of Adam and the giving of the law to Moses. So he said, sin was there before the law was given, but sin's not counted where there is no law. What, what is Paul getting at in verses 13 and 14 here? Yeah, well, obviously there there was sin in the world before the law is given. You know, we don't get the law given in the sense, you know, we have it given to Moses on uh, on Mount Sinai uh, there in Exodus. So we've got several, you know, several thousand years or a couple thousand years or, you know, I, I don't remember off the top of my head biblical timeline. But, you know, we've got thousands of years here in between the time that of creation and we get to Moses. Well, was there sin before that? Of course there was, you know. Uh, we see Adam and Eve sin, of course, and we see that Cain sinned, and uh, we see all of of these types of, um, of actions. And obviously, you know, why did God destroy the world with a worldwide flood? Well, because it was full of sin. Uh, you know, so sin certainly um, existed. Um, and in the way in which it existed is that the, God's law is written on our hearts, first of all. You know, I don't need a law to tell me all the time when something is wrong. Um, I need to, but I, I mean, I do need the law, and we can get to that in, in a little bit, perhaps. But I mean, you know, for the moment, you know, I know that I should not, um, you know, go out and punch my neighbor in the face. You know, I don't need a law to tell me that. It's just I have this feeling inside of me that this is not right. I shouldn't do this. And that's our conscience. Um, you know, the, the God's law written on our hearts tells us um, that's not right. Uh, but what what Paul does say here is that, um, he says that um, uh, uh, I lost my place. Sin is not counted where there is no law. Now, that what that doesn't mean is it's not this idea of uh, it's not that there's no sin, but rather that it's it's not necessarily uh, accounted for. Uh, and you know, I I, I kind of thought about this as if. Uh, if I have a disease, you know, and I, and, you know, something like cancer or something like that, and it gets diagnosed, uh, you know, at a certain point in time, that doesn't mean that I didn't have cancer before I got the diagnosis. It just means I didn't know about it. That's all. Uh, and, and that's kind of the idea being conveyed here by Paul is that um, what the, uh, what the law does for us is it reveals that sin that's already there. Uh, it doesn't create sins that weren't there already, uh, but rather what it does is it reveals the fact that, oh, I've done something wrong. Uh, I've sinned. 
Uh, so this is this is when we when we talk about the three uses of the law in um, uh, when we when we teach the law to to catechumens. You know, we're we're looking at uh, the curb, the mirror, and the guide. The curb, which uh, prevents gross outbreaks of evil, keeps bad things from happening. And then we have, uh, you know, the third use, which is the guide, which shows us how to, how to live as a Christian, what God's will is for our lives. And then, but here we're really looking at the second use, the idea that the law acts as a mirror to show us our sin. And so before we have the law, we lack that mirror. Uh, it's like if, if we didn't have a mirror in our house at all, we would have no idea how we looked. Uh, and so that's what the law does for us, is it, it brings to light that which is already there. I'm in this in this phrase verse in verse thirteen. One of the things that I'm reminded of is, for example, we we studied the prophet Amos here on Sharper Iron last fall, and and at the beginning of of the book of Amos, you have this series of oracles against the nations, pagan nations, Gentile nations that didn't know what God had given to Moses and the law to the people of Israel, and yet the prophet Amos comes at them and says, "You've sinned. You've you've transgressed." So they were still sinners even though they didn't have the law. But think of think of then what, when the prophet gets to Israel and Judah there in the book of Amos, and this happens throughout the, the prophets in the Old Testament, how much more accountable are they? Because they do have the law. And, and in that sense, that I mean, there's, there's that function of the law serving as the mirror. Those other, the other nations were sinners, even though they didn't have the law, and as you said, it was written on their on their hearts, so they, you know, that conscience was testifying to them that yes, you you are doing wrong, but so much more so for those who did have the law, it was showing them their sin, what what they were doing was was wrong. And so there there's that function of the law, and and I think what Paul's doing here, the the move that he's making here in verse thirteen is saying, look, this is what I what I'm saying to you is, all men sinned. And the way you know that is because even when there wasn't that law there to specifically show that they were sinners, they were all still dying. It, it didn't, from, from Adam to Moses, even, even without this law to point specifically to let them see very clearly in the mirror that they were sinners, even without that law there, they were still dying. And, and that's how you know right. that sin had spread everywhere which I think then takes us into verse 14. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that you have this idea that you have the consequence of sin right right before you. So obviously there's there's sin there, you know, uh, even without having having the law. And just with that, that idea of, of conscience again, the, the reason we need the law of God is because our conscience uh, doesn't always work right. Um, I always make the comparison, um, and, and I know that I know this happens in Texas where you're at too, Pastor Apple, that there are some times of the year whenever you go out to your car and uh, your windows are foggy because it's got, uh, you know, if, unless you're parked in a garage, I guess. But, I mean, you, you can see through the windshield of your car. You can see that there's things out there, but they're all fuzzy. Uh, but then you have to, you know, you run the wipers once and it clears them off. I know people up north have to deal with frost and snow and things like that. But, you know, we just have the uh, the fog uh, certain times of the year. And that's kind of how I view the, the human conscience working is that without the law anyway, is that we can see that there's something wrong out there, but we need to clear off our windshield. We need to clear out our conscience to be able to see clearly. And that's what the law does for us, helps us see clearly that sin. Hmm. Right. So, so then, then Paul makes this move. He's, he's talked about sin and the law and the connection there, and he says in verse fourteen, "Yet death reigned from from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam." Take us into verse fourteen, Pastor Vandercoach. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, again, as you said, you know, you have this idea that that death is is reigning. So it's very clear to see that you know, even without the law. We have sin that brings death. Uh, and it says here that uh, it says it's not like the transgression of Adam, the sins that were committed in between Adam's sin until we get to the law of Mount Sinai. Not all of them, perhaps, but I mean, quite a few of them. You don't ever have a specific, you know, Adam had a very specific command. It was don't eat from this tree. Uh, and so when Adam does that, he is contradicting a direct uh, command from God. And so the difference between Adam's sin and, and, a lot, and most of the other sins that are committed is that they don't have this uh, specific command there. So they're still 
you know, it's just still this idea of the conscience is what's it's what's playing the key role here. The conscience is playing the key role to bear witness to sin, um, but but you still don't have this uh, specific command uh, that's come yet. Um, so um, uh, so yeah, and then and then we get into the whole. Uh, Adam being a type of the one who was to come. Did, did we get to that part yet? I didn't hear if you read that yet, Tim. Not, not, so. not quite. And before, before we do, because that, that, I think that end of the phrase of verse fourteen there then connects into the move that Paul makes in verses fifteen and seventeen. But, but before we do yeah. this, this matter of death reigning from Adam to Moses, even over those who who sinned, and and when the way you explained, I think that not like the transgression of Adam, the difference between the transgression of Adam. And those who came between Adam and Moses was that Adam had this specific command of God that he broke, this this law, if you want to put it that way. And Adam to Moses, they didn't have that specific command, but they were still sinning. So so even even those who who sin without the law, they are still held accountable to God, punished for their sin. Is that is that correct? Yeah, right, right, and uh, yeah, I think that's important to uh, to consider, and, and brings us some urgency as far as whenever we talk about um, uh, our our task of carrying uh, the word of God to the nations, is that if people, even even those nations, you know, those 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 corners of the world, those people in the world who have not heard the word of God, are still responsible for. Uh, transgressing against the law of God, uh, even if they haven't yet had that law shown to them. Uh, and so all of, you know, you know, you, you can go through the Ten Commandments from Adam up through Moses. And, you know, was there adultery committed? You know, were people dishonoring parents? Were people uh, murdering, stealing, lying? Yes, you know, uh, and they're guilty of, of breaking those laws even though those laws have not been uh, yet handed down by God on stone tablets to Moses. So then now let's, let's go into that last half of verse 14 and then into 15 through 17. Paul, Paul now mentions, well, he's mentioned Adam by name, but he specifically is going to key in on Adam here. And he says that Adam is a type of the one who was to come. Who is the one who is to come that Adam's a type of? What does that mean? And then start digging into verses 15 and 17 as Paul starts to draw that 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 thought out. Right, yeah. So Adam is the type of the one who uh, was to come, and, and you know he's, he's leading us into a discussion of Christ, and Christ as the anti-type of Adam. Uh, and there's a couple different ways in which that... Um, I actually looked it up in the dictionary because I was making sure I had my definition of type and anti-type right. But, uh, uh, you know... In a lot of cases, anti-type uh, is is simply a um, the type foreshadows the anti-type, and so there's this comparison of similarity between the two. Uh, but here in this case, you actually kind of have an opposite thing going on, and that is another way that type and anti-type is used is to show that Adam brings about sin into the world. Sin comes into the world through Adam, and now we have um, Christ is the opposite of Adam in a sense, because he's the one who's going to remove that sin uh, from the world and give something good instead of something bad, uh, you know, something um, uh, that is salvific rather than something that's damning. Hmm. So, and, and that's where that's where Paul goes in verses 15 through 17. And and as I think the thing to notice as we start to, to look at these verses is to, to recognize that what Adam undid with his sin, his, uh, I don't know if the right, uncreation, his, his bringing of sin and death into the world, what he did there was surpassed in what Christ did in recreating, renewing in his saving act. So it's not, um, it's not a one-to-one -one correspondence in the sense that here's what Adam did and the scale now balances with what Jesus did. Actually, what Jesus did far outweighs everything that Adam undid, if I can say it that way. Take us into verses 15 through 17. Yeah, well, just building on what you said there a little bit, and 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 we'll see that as we go through here. Uh, you know, going back to the close of the commandments, Exodus 25 uh, through 16, I, you know, we only talked about verse 5 in there, I believe. Um, the, uh, you know, 
I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations or thousands of generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. So we see a contrast in that verse and a similar contrast to what we're seeing here in uh, uh, 15, 16, and 17, the idea that uh, yeah, sin comes into the world through this one man, but how much better is all, are all of the things that come through Christ, uh, you know, the blessings that come through Christ. Yeah, there are three verses here that are uh, pretty fairly similar in structure. Um, you know, 15, it first of all compares the trespass of Adam, which brought about the death of many, with the much more who have the grace of God. And so you have, uh, yeah, you have many that died through the trespass, but more than that, uh, have the grace of God and the free gift by grace, uh, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounding for many. So yeah, the, the Lord's mercy is going to far exceed the, uh, the consequences of sin. Uh, you know, we, we refer to this sometimes as the alien and proper works of God. The alien work of God is the is the work that he doesn't really want to do. It's outside of his nature, and that is uh, the punishment of sinners. And, of course, you know, the ultimate punishment there is, is death. Um, but the proper work of God, the work that God wants to do, that he desires to do, is he wants to distribute his grace. He wants to be gracious. He wants to be merciful. And so we see that expressed there that, uh, this this is the this is the thing that God wants to do. He wants to uh, distribute His grace uh, to His people. Oh, um, and keep going, keep going. Well, I was just, just going to go into the next yeah. ones, unless you wanted yeah, to dwell keep, on fifteen a little more. There. No, no, keep keep going, keep going. Yeah, because I think All I right. think what happens in sixteen and seventeen, yeah, sixteen and seventeen, is you, Paul starts to add a bit of picture language. The the picture in sixteen is this matter of of condemnation, judgment versus justification. And then the picture in 17 is the matter of, of who's reigning as king. Is it the death or, or is it the life of Jesus Christ? Take us into those verses, Pastor Vandercook. Yeah, sure. Um, 16 is, you know, 15 and 17 uh, are, are a little bit more in common than 16. 16 is a little bit different in that you have this um, comparing of the one trespass that brought condemnation, uh, but then the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Uh, so it's kind of a strange thing to say there that you have this uh, this free gift following many trespasses, uh, you know, that you would think that many trespasses would bring more condemnation. Uh, but instead, because of Christ and his act of redemption, uh, instead, we have this free gift that comes through Christ, this justification. So, uh, yeah, you have you have the trespass, which brings condemnation. Uh, you know, the, the uh, again, uh, death, uh, and, and not just physical death, but, e but eternal death. And then you have the free gift that is that declaration of, um, uh, of innocence, of, of not guilty, of, of justification that comes from that free gift uh, of Christ. Uh, that, that follows the many trespasses. So, uh, so that's that's 16, and then 17. Um, it, it is there comparing the one trespass of Adam and death that reigned uh, because of that. You know, you have this reign of death, and 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 even today, you can really see the reign of of death in the world. Uh, you know, it's it's you know certainly we live in. Uh, in the time of the resurrection, you know, uh, Christ is risen from the dead, uh, as we proclaim repeatedly during the Easter season, and, and really, in some sense, throughout the uh, throughout the church here. Um, but the fact is that we still live in a world that is widely ruled by death, uh, and that might be even more apparent right now as we see the uh, uh, as we deal with this uh, this virus that uh, uh, that's become a pandemic. You know that 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 death still has this reign, this hold on the world. But you have this promise here that's attached to, again, that, that free gift of righteousness, uh, that you have this, um, uh, that, that, uh, uh, that much more, uses that, Paul uses that once again, that much more, uh, we have death reigning now, or, you know, death reigned, uh, because death has been defeated, even though it seems like it's still uh, in charge. 
much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we live in that uh, reality right now of a defeated enemy, uh, although at times it still feels like that enemy is still around and still um, working in this world. But we know that ultimately uh, that enemy has been defeated and that um, uh, the reign of, of Christ is what uh, has won the day. And I think that the way you laid that out, the much more here is is a wonderful comfort to us as Christians, because you're right, when, when, when we look around us, we do see the way that that death reigns, you know, in, in the very midst of life, snares of death surround us to, to quote from Luther's hymn, you know, and, and that, I mean, we see that all the time. So what, what a great comfort there is for us as Christians to hear these much more phrases from Paul, that, that even as we see the havoc that death still wreaks upon us, the way that this enemy still attacks, that we know in Christ that the life is is much more and and no the death i mean it, i'm just thinking ahead to where paul's going to go you know in in romans chapter 8 that that we are more through more than conquerors through him who loved us that not even these things can separate us from jesus christ because of the the much more that is ours in him this is a, a wonderful comfort right here from paul i'm i'm going to keep keep us moving though pastor vandercook into verse since we're we're running short on time here a bit verse verse five, we get another therefore from Paul in verse 18. Paul Paul now is drawing these things together. Take us into those verses. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, he, therefore, you know, and, and he refers back to kind of what he said already. As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to uh, justification here. So... Um, Adam's sin, you know, was introduced back in verse 12 and is cited again as the cause of death, uh, but only now does it result in the, in the condemnation of all. That, that idea hasn't necessarily been fleshed out yet, and this really helps us understand verse 12 as well, um, as we were, you know, we spent a lot of time on verse 12, I know, but, uh, uh, but, but this really gives us a, a greater understanding in context what was going on in verse 12. Uh, and so, again, that's bringing us back to uh, original sin. Uh, and that's how Adam's sin condemns all people. But now we have Jesus' one act of righteousness um, that leads to justification in life for all men. Now, if we just took that verse and cherry-picked it out of there, again, um, not, not looking at the context or the greater context of Scripture in general, it almost sounds like Paul is uh, advocating for universalism here, um, because he says that it leads to justification in life for all men. Um, so this is where the distinction, I believe you talked to, talked to Pastor Preuss about this quite a bit on Friday. Uh, this leads to the distinction between uh, objective and just, uh, subjective justification being really helpful here, in that um, you have the idea that um, all men are justified objectively at the cross by Christ. Um, and so that's kind of the idea that that's being expressed here. Uh, however, these the benefits of what Christ did on the cross must be received by faith, and that being the, the subjective nature of justification that helps us kind of differentiate that uh, idea here. And 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 you know, obviously, we know that Paul is not a universalist, um, and we know that uh, uh, that uh, Jesus was not a universalist either, for that matter, as he said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," uh, etc. So. Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, we look at uh, Adam's disobedience made many sinners, uh, as it said. Um, oh, I skipped to, I skipped to 19 there, didn't I? Well, I'll, I'll keep going. Keep going. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Adam's disobedience made many sinners. Now, that's different than verse 12. Here, the, the many are identified as sinners. That is, you know, they are by nature sinful and unclean. And so we get back to this question of what makes a man a sinner? Well, you know, first of all, you have the fact that he's inherited the sinful nature, but you also have the fact that he sins, and therefore he's a sinner. And so why is man a sinner? Well, because he is by nature sinful and unclean, uh, and also because he keeps sinning. Uh, so it's kind of a both-and type of thing here. Uh, you know, this is what makes one a sinner, if, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Pastor Vandercook, we've got 
just under about three minutes right now left to, to dig into verses 20, 21, to wrap things up on the morning, to give us the good news from this text here in Romans chapter five. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we get into 20 and 21. Now we have this, this idea that the law came in to increase the trespass, uh, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And there's that idea of the more once again, is that, uh, you know, we, we have these much more statements back in verse 15 and 17. And now once again, Paul has the same idea that you have uh, sin that's um, uh, sin that is in the world and the law doesn't increase trespass. It's not like law creates sin where there wasn't sin already. Again, law, the law is revealing sin, but God's grace abounds more than that uh, because he, um, uh, we have Christ Jesus. We have life through Christ Jesus, our Lord, uh, because he has, in his act of righteousness, that is his death on the cross, he has paid the price for our sins, uh, and we are uh, credited with his righteousness. You know, and this comes to us by the means of grace through, uh, through word and sacrament. Uh, this righteousness of Christ is, is delivered to us, uh, and it, um, uh, it pays for the consequences and, and satisfies the demands of the law for us. And and even and even much more. Again, that that thought from you know, grace abounded all the more. The much more of of Christ Jesus is such a such a comfort here in this text to us from Romans chapter five. Pastor David Vandercook, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and Shepherd of Peace Lutheran Church in Maumelle, Arkansas, our guest today to help us with Romans chapter five verses twelve through twenty one. Pastor Vandercook, thanks for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me again. In Adam, all sinned. In the one man's disobedience, sin spread to all. You and I inherited that sinful nature from Adam. And so we we sinned. We inherited it. It shows. And because of that, death spread to all. These invaders, sin and death, came into what God had declared good by our own fault. All through Adam. And yet, God has undone what Adam messed up. He has, he has recreated, he has renewed what Adam had messed up in his sin. And all the more, these two are not equal. Adam's sin undid the good, but God restored even greater in Christ. In this one man, in his obedience, in his fulfilling of the law perfectly in our place, in his sacrificial death and his third day resurrection is ascension into heaven this one man's act of righteousness has abounded all the more over our sin and now where it seems that death reigns no no much more life reigns in christ jesus for you and for me i'm your host here on sharper iron pastor timothy apple of grace lutheran church in smithville texas thanks for spending the morning with us talk to you again tomorrow